this is a real thing. And it's some of the, I mean, it, but if God can heal the blind and if God can heal, you know, the deaf. And uh, we're, we're, we're big proponents of therapy. We're big proponents of medicine and all that. Y'all to pursue every, y'all to seek holistic healing. But we're also big proponents of prayer. But, you know, you can go 40 days without food. You can go four days without water, but you can't go four seconds without hope. Hope is hope is the thing that really keeps a person alive. Welcome to the show. My name is Jesslyn, and today I am here with a local Orlando pastor, JJ Vasquez. Say hello, pastor. Hey, Jesslyn. Thanks for having us on. I am so excited to have you here, and the reason you came to our attention is we're based in Orlando, and a couple weeks ago we actually saw your story on the front page of the Orlando Sentinel. Can you tell us a little bit about your church and what attracted the local media to you guys? Yeah, yeah, so just crazy story. And so, uh, uh, first again, thanks for having us on. Love, love charisma. It's so great to, uh, to be here and, and to chat with you. But yeah, our church launched about two years and four months ago, September um, 2006 in, uh, in Winter Park. And uh, we, my family and I were pastors uh, in Orlando, uh, just kind of serving at a church there. And uh, God called us out here at Winter Park. We didn't really know anybody. Um, to plant, and uh, it was an exciting journey. And the way the Sentinel kind of just heard about it, it's funny. It's just somebody just bragging on the church and loving their church. Uh, one of our church members was at a wedding, and uh, it was actually the wedding of uh, uh, Olympic sprinter Justin Gatlin. Mm. And uh, they were just hanging out and uh, at, at the wedding table, kind of talking about what was going on in each other's lives and bragging about their church and kind of talking about what God was doing in her life and about how her and her husband had been uh, just God's been doing some really cool transformation in their lives and kind of been blessing them. And uh, at that table was sat a reporter for the Orlando Sentinel. And uh, she said, man, it's so interesting that you say that uh, because um, we've been wanting to do a story bridging millennials uh, along with uh, just kind of people wanted to know if millennials were still interested in church. And we have a, a big, strong millennial population at our church. And so uh, she got interested. And so she uh, heard about the story. She came to visit, and it's so cool. Uh, she came to visit. Uh, she actually loved the church so much, she became a member. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she loved it so much. She became a member, brought her kids, uh, brought her husband, became a fan. Um, this is all after she wrote the story. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she loved the church so much, she decided to become a member, and she wrote the story that way. So, it really, it all just came about um, somebody in church, loving their church so much, wanted to tell their friends about it. Well, I'm glad she had the journalistic integrity to write the story before she became a member. Yeah, and... yeah, you know, I think that's what built her on it because she really, we really let her behind the scenes. And so, um, she, we brought her in a staff meeting, brought her in a volunteer meeting. She interviewed my parents. Uh, she interviewed some uh, people who've been coming for a long time. She interviewed, you know, the 20 year olds that come to our church, and she interviewed the 70 year olds. And it was really after after the story was told that she was kind of just so moved with what God was doing in the community that uh, she decided to come be a part. I love it. That makes me really excited. And on a personal note, I, I also go to church in Winter Park, so now I'm like, hmm, maybe one Sunday we can go check this out. And yeah, yeah that'd be great. Yeah, yeah for our fun. listeners, you know, Orlando is Disney World, so if you're ever here on vacation, that's a really easy place you can stop by, celebrate the Lord, have fellowship with other believers. I'm sure they'd love to have you. Absolutely, definitely. Now, tell me a little bit about your personal story. Now, we know that your father was raised in the Pentecostal church, but can you tell us a little bit about that and how that affected you? 
Yeah, so I grew up in church too, and I think that um, just every young person kind of goes on that journey where you have to discover kind of just religion on their own and kind of figure out if the reason why they believe what they believe is because they've been forced to or asked to or, or told to, or if they genuinely, you know, kind of just believe this. Or uh, the way I like to put it is kind of like, you know, a prearranged marriage, you know? I think for a lot of parents, we kind of want to set that up for our kids. And I'm a dad now, and I've got two young boys, so I'm like, no, you're going to love Jesus. You, know? <laughs> like, you, you don't, don't have, have a choice. You, you don't have a choice here. You're going to love him because he died for you, and you don't, you just don't know. You know, and so, like, there's that part of me. But the reality is that, um, you know, we, we just, you can't have second, second-hand faith. That's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I remember reading in Genesis one time uh, where uh, Jacob, you know, meets God. And just, he's on the run from his brother. Uh, and he meets God, and then God introduces himself, and I love the introduction. He says, um, I'm the God of Abraham, and I'm the God of Isaac. Now, what's interesting is that every time after that moment, um, when God introduces himself to someone in the Bible, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. But at this point, God is honest enough to say, hey, I know your grandpa, and I know your dad, but we haven't been properly introduced yet. Oh, you wow. know what I'm saying? And I, just, and I, and I love that, that, that God knows that faith isn't generational. Religion is. But faith isn't generational. Faith has to be encountered and discovered uh, kind of on, on your own. And so that's what I needed to do. And I did. And I had that experience. And I decided that Jesus was the person I wanted to love and I wanted to spend the rest of my, my life with. But I also had to uh, kind of reinterpret some things, too, because I am Pentecostal and I, and I love my heritage. But a lot of times, now I, now you got to understand, like, I don't know where your listeners come from, but like I come from New York. Mm-hmm. So, like, Spanish Pentecostal Church in New York, like, it's just a different thing. It's very, very charismatic and something that would maybe be off-putting mm-hmm. to a friend or a guest. So I just remember, like, inviting my friends to church and, like, having to give disclaimers, like, before church started. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I do like, know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, like, like, hey, if somebody hits somebody else, it's not a fight. It's prayer. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> I'm going to give them, like, a heads up. Like, this is how we do things here. And yep. people were just turned off. And so I'll never forget hearing Rick Warren, Rick Warren one time say um, at a conference in the Summit of God, he was, saying, um, he was saying, don't change who you are. He said the body of Christ needs it. He says, just explain it. Mm-hmm. Just explain it. Because it's beautiful and it's unique. Just explain it. And so I love our expression of faith. I love our understanding of Scripture. I love um, everything about who, who God was introduced to me to be. Um, but my goal is to explain it and make it in a way that it becomes accessible uh, for people. First, first and foremost, that Jesus becomes accessible to people. And then after that, um, I would love for them to, to kind of experience the fullness of what we believe God has for them. Uh, so that, that was kind of my journey. And uh, along that path, uh, it led me you know, to higher education. Um, I studied and worked at uh, Southeastern University as the uh, head of the Youth and Families Ministry Department there for two years. That was a blessing. Um, also was a youth pastor uh, in South Orlando, uh, that was great. Did that for five years. Didn't want to plant a church. Planting church is probably the last thing in my heart and mind I ever, I ever wanted to do. Um, it just seemed so hard. Uh, I kind of always saw myself in ministry, but maybe taking over, you know, when our pastor was gone. I loved him. He was amazing. Great man of God. So I thought that would be it. But uh, yeah, God began to deposit it in my heart. And um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell my wife about it. Mm-hmm. She's like super ride or die. Like she loves me so much and she loves the Lord so much. She'll say yes to anything. <laughs> But, uh, but I knew that, so I knew, I knew that if I, if I told her, she'd be like, yeah, let's do it. But then, like, if it didn't work out, it'd be my fault, and she'd blame me. So I was like, no, I'm not going to tell her. God's going to have to tell her. And so um, one day, she was at a gas station, and uh, while she was there, this couple came up to her. It was a gentleman 
this guy came up to me and said, hey, do you have some, some money from my, from my, my car? You know, my, I ran out of gas. And uh, I'm so grateful for, for that man. I'm so grateful that Liz was the one he spoke to because I wasn't there that day. Because if I was there, you know, like I said, I grew up in New York. So for me, somebody's always trying to steal my wallet. So mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, bro. You know, <laughs> that was me. But for her, she's so sweet. She's just, my wife's the best. And so uh, her name's Liz, by the way. She's amazing. And so she said, yeah, absolutely. She walked over with the man, put money in the gas tank. And then when she looked at the back seat, she noticed there was a woman and a baby in the, in the back. And uh, it turned out the story was uh, this man's name was John. His uh, girlfriend's name was Rita. Him, his girlfriend, and you know their six-month-old were living in the back seat of their car. He had just gotten released from jail. He had no place to live. He had no job. So my wife did what she could, put money in the gas tank, gave some money for food, prayed for him, um, invited him to come to church. Well, that church, that, that Sunday, he does come to church. I just so happen to be preaching. Now, by then, I'm the youth pastor, not really the lead pastor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every once in a while, the youth pastor gets rep, you know? And so I was up there, and I was preaching. And I saw John, and I saw Rita, and I saw their baby. And at the end of the message, you gave an opportunity to, to, to meet Christ. And uh, he said yes, came to the front. Mm-hmm. At that point, my wife and I are bawling, we're in tears, because we know the story. Nobody knows. This guy's just a, a guy that came in off the street for everybody else, but we know the story. And it sounds crazy. We've been in church our whole life, but we had never seen somebody go from zero God knowledge to a relationship. Wow. Like, we'd never seen that before. Like, growing up in youth ministry was often like what we would call, like, the terminology, like, backsliding, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, kind of people who grew up in the faith and they kind of strayed away and then came back to it. But, but this was somebody who had zero God knowledge, had experienced God's love through a kind deed, and wanted to experience more, heard who Jesus was, and decided to go all in. And when we saw that, we were sold. She looked at me at that point, and she was like, wouldn't it be amazing if we could start a church where, where people who knew, her words were this, where Jesus could be accessible to anyone. Mm. And that kind of became a, a mantra for us and our staff and the people who came alongside us on this journey. Uh, that story, the story of John and Rita. Um, and so we did. And I was like, yeah, man, I've been wanting to tell you this for like eight months now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> mm-hmm. It's been in my heart. And so by the time God spoke to her, we, uh, we sold our home, uh, we left our job at Southeastern, we left our job at East Pastors, and we went from making you know, six figures uh, as uh, uh, SEU. I had three jobs at the time, but I was working at SEU, I was working for the church, and I was an evangelist, and I'd just written a book. And so all that, we just kind of left all that, went without a salary for a year, sold our home, moved to Winter Park, which, you know, you're out here, this is not cheap. I mean, especially mm-hmm. your offices, your offices are like in the nicest part of Winter Park, but um, Winter Park is not a place to live. And so we barely afforded a home. It's very and, bougie. Uh, and very. And, I'm trying to think yeah. of the right words for our listeners. Like, it's the super nice part of town where you want to go out and have a date yes. and walk around. And and then go back to the home that you can afford. Yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, that, so we somehow, we're like on the verge, by the way. We're like right where Winter Park meets the veto. Okay. So we're like right between night and farmland. Like, that's, that, that's what we could afford, you know? And so, but we went without a salary for a year. God provided. Mm. And now we're two and a half years in, and the church is just going amazing. God's bigger than we ever thought he was, doing greater things than we ever thought he could. I love it. Now, you guys have also suffered a personal loss within your family. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the same year that God confirmed us that we were to plant a church, uh, my wife and I signed up for a church planning conference uh, through CMN, Church Multiplication Network. And um, when we were Getting ready to go, had one more doctor's visit. We were expecting our third child. We were secretly, quietly praying that it was a girl because we had two boys already. And, uh, you know, just wanted a little princess. And so um, mm-hmm. we uh, went for the sonogram. And um, after the sonogram, the doctor asked us to wait in the room, which is never a good sign. 
And uh, when we uh, came out of the room, uh, when he came into the room, he told us that um, in the in the sonogram they couldn't find any kidneys uh, on our on our baby. Mm. And so that was tough news to hear. They were expecting the child to pass away within days. Now that by that point. Because that was like the gender reveal. Like that was before they were doing gender reveal parties, but mm-hmm. they had gender reveal sonograms. So that's like, uh, hopefully, no one, none of your listeners will correct me, but somewhere around three months, I think, mm-hmm. close to it. So we're three months in, and you know, we're expecting to get the gender of our baby, and then that happens. And so they say, hey, it's probably going to be a couple more weeks. There's no way your baby's going to survive this recommended abortion, recommended, you know, determination, and, and those types of things. And, and so my wife and I prayed about it. We just thought that wasn't the way that God wanted us to go. And if it was where we'll take our baby, then so be it. You know, we we, we do it. And uh, it's just the craziest thing. He made it completely full term. Mm. And every week we stepped into the doctor's visit. You know, at that point, when you're high risk, and moms will notice, you, normally you go to your doctor's visit once a month. Um, but when you're high risk, you go every week. And so every week we would go just with the anticipation and the expectation that this is going to be the week we found out, you know, he's gone. It turned out being a boy. This is the week uh, he found, we found out he's going to be gone. And uh, week after week, survive, survive, survive. Finally, when we made it to month eight, they were just like, hey, um, uh, we had no idea that he'd make it this far. We're going to have to do an emergency section if it's one out. And, uh, and they just let us know that there's going to be a 98% chance that he's not going to make it once he comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we just continue to believe God all the way through for a miracle. And um, when the baby was born, um, he, he, he didn't have he did, his kidneys did not form all the way, which meant that his lungs did not form all the way. And so we had him on a respirator, and uh, he was born into this world, and uh, was with us for seven hours. Mm. With us for seven hours, we got to hold him. He got to meet his his cousin. He got to meet his aunt, his uncle. His grandpa got to hold him. His grandma got to hold him. His mom held him. I held him. And then we unplugged him from the respirator. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a... It's a feeling to have to have your son pass away in your arms mm-hmm. while you're holding him, and uh, and it was a lung thing too. You know, so I don't mean to be graphic, but it was a lung thing too. So like he, he was he was literally choking in my arms. Mm-hmm. And it was emotional uh, and it was heavy. And I just remember when they unplugged him that we uh, we just put on some worship music, mm-hmm. and uh, the song we were playing I'll never forget it. It was uh, SCU worship at the time, written by Chase Wagner. It's called "The Comforter Has Come." Mm-hmm. It was a be- it was a horrible moment, uh, but it was a beautiful moment. Just knowing he was surrounded by people who he loved mm-hmm. and by God's presence. I mean, even the nurses when they walked in. Crazy thing is, we uh, there was a lady. This just happened last week. It was a, 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 a woman who came in. It's a really cool um, offer uh, service by Winnie Palmer Hospital. They pay for a photographer to come in and take pictures of your baby when they pass, mm. which you'll always have. And so the young lady that um, took pictures, my wife has always been in contact with her because she just felt like a special connection because that lady told my wife, like, hey, there's something different about your baby. You know, it just felt felt peaceful when we were taking photos. Mm-hmm. Long story short, two and a half years later, after a ton of Facebook conversations, just for, she actually came to visit our church for the first time this past Sunday, recommitted her life to Christ, and now is a regular attender. Wow. And so I think it's so cool to see how God, and that's in the story of, of our son, who, whose name was Journey. And we didn't name the our church, Journey Church, after him in that sense, like as a memory, but really as a message. Mm-hmm. That same day he passed away, we got a Facebook message from a mom, and she was a mother of four. She was about to have her fifth child. Each child came from a different father. 
And so she's wrestling with whether or not to terminate, whether or not to keep. She doesn't know how she's going to raise the, uh, the child. And um, while she's um, communicating to us, she, she tells us in the message. She goes, hey, I want you to know I read your story because we have blogged about it, mm-hmm. um, our whole journey. And she said, I read your story, and I want you to know that um, because I, I uh, because your child passed away, uh, I'm, I'm holding on to mine. And mm. she said these words. She said, your, your baby saved my baby's life. I want you to know that. Uh, and, uh, and it was, and it was amazing. And, and I know at that moment we were lucky because what I like to tell people is, you know, when people go through pain, sometimes they have to wait years. Mm-hmm. If, if that, if, they, if they're lucky enough, they'll wait years. And then years later, the purpose of their pain will reveal itself. But most people, like 99% of people will not find the purpose of their pain until they get to eternity mm-hmm. on the other side. That's when it all makes sense. Liz and I got fortunate. We got lucky enough. We received so many testimonies from so many parents. And uh, going through similar situations, even situations that were, were not even related, just situations with depression and anxiety and people just saying how, how, this, how our story and our faith inspired them to turn it around. And uh, so for us, our son, who we lost, became a symbol for the truth that God can take a mess and make a message. Mm-hmm. You know, he can turn it around, that something can start dark uh, and, 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 and beautiful. And, uh, and that tends to be the type of people that end up coming to our church. They allow them in the middle of something real dark. Um, but, uh, but our story, we hope, can encourage others. It doesn't have to, just because it started that way, doesn't mean it has to, you know, it has to end that way. Mm. And so that's kind of, uh, that's what you mentioned that we had experienced. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now, I know you mentioned worship music, you mentioned blogging, you mentioned people reaching out. How else did the Lord sustain you during this time, and how does he continue to sustain you as you guys move on and grieve this loss? Yeah, I think I, I became a big believer in prayer, so intercession. we got a prayer team at our church that is who's committed to praying for me, supporting me, uh, and our, uh, my wife, and all of our ladies and staff. Um, got a great uh, family that the Lord uses. Yeah, worship is is key. I, I think I think I became a huge believer in intercession. Mm-hmm. It's like I always I always knew it was real, but when I was on the other side of praying for people, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, the way I described it to someone, it was like a, it was like you ever been bowling and then you know you got the bumpers mm-hmm. that you put up that keeps the ball from going in the gutter. I use those all it the was, time. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. No judgment. Um, I feel like that. That's what intercession became for me. Okay. Somebody had turned on the bumpers, and there was just no way I was going off the rail. There was no way. I just I felt like I wanted to. Uh, I feel like, and, and when things get hard, even now in ministry, sometimes we feel like we're about to, but then something bumps us back in. Mm-hmm. And so for me, intercession becomes the bumpers to life. When you've got people praying for you, you've got you've got a support system, um, and, uh, and it keeps you keeps you out of the gutters, keeps yeah. you out of the gutters of life. That's a great analogy. Yes, I uh, I once bowled a nine um, as a grown adult. So, yes, I do use the bumpers and make sure I go with children so I have an excuse to use the bumpers. But, what, like I said, what a wonderful analogy. How do you take what you've gone through, what you and your wife have dealt with, and now apply it to your sermons and your teachings? Yeah, well, I try not to tell the same story over and over again, but I'll probably preach it once a year because it's, it's, who, it's who we are. But more so, I think um, what comes through in every sermon is that it's not over yet. Mm-hmm. It's just not over. You know, hope is such a beautiful, wonderful thing. I, I don't know who it was that said it, but, you know, you can go 40 days without food, 
you can go four days without water, but you can't go four seconds without hope. Hope is hope is the thing that really keeps a person alive. And so when people um, step into our doors, yes, we preach truth. Yes, we preach Bible. But we point all of that towards hope. There is hope. And we try and remind people, you know, if you hear a voice, if you hear a, a thought, if there's a feeling that, that, that bubbles up in your heart, that is anything counter to hope, send that back where it came from. Because that's mm. not God. He's going to wish for you things that are going to make you want to wake up in the morning. He's going to wish for you things that are going to make you want to keep going, that are going to make you want to love again, love harder, love better, serve better, serve more. Uh, so I would, I would say that. I just think I'm a much more hopeful person. I'm definitely a much more durable person. There's not much that can really rock us and shake us. I mean, I say that, I say that with all humility, meekness, and also, please, Lord, don't test me. I'm just trying. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking for what you did in my life, but I, but I feel like we've become a lot more durable. There's, there's a, nothing really compares in our, to us personally uh, to that, and so we're just able to kind of lean on that and be like, hey, if you got us through that, you know, you're gonna the next one. You got the next one. Mm-hmm. That's a good attitude. I know often. Sometimes when I'm praying with my husband at night, we're going through and we're like, all right, God, we want you to strengthen us. But we're like, also, can you be careful how you strengthen us? Because (laughs) we're not entirely sure we're ready for that, but we want strength. But yes, so I can understand what you're saying. Yeah, asterisk. Yes. Now, what do you see happening in your church right now? Tell me some of the exciting things going on. No, it's great. I mean, it's it's exciting. Um, Attendance has been amazing. We're we're every year, so two and a half years. Um, I'm I'm careful with sharing numbers just because I know that there are a ton of pastors who listen, and we don't mm-hmm. want to encourage or discourage anybody. Well, we want to encourage a lot of people. <laughs> we don't want to discourage anybody. But um, yeah, we've seen uh, over 100% growth year after year. Wow! Um, just uh, year after year, just hasn't stopped. So that's really exciting. Um, more so than just the attendance numbers, is really the stories that we're getting from people who are. Uh, you know, being restored in their marriages or having addictions. I would say the most exciting thing that I think is happening this year, and, I, and I'm excited to share it because I think you're going to be getting a lot more of these testimonies as you begin to speak to a lot more pastors on your show. I really feel like God is doing something in 2019 in, in, in the supernatural. And I, I just, we've, we've begun to see healing wow. uh, this, this year already. We've been in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, bodily healing. Uh, we had a one cool story is we had a former former army vet who's been struggling with mental illness, on the verge of quitting and throwing in the towel. And we uh, just began to pray for him. A couple of people at our church. And, uh, we've been fasting, and uh, and God did something so special. Uh, his wife and and you know the testimony is real when it comes from the wife. Mm-hmm. We'll tell you how it is. She was the one who reached out to me late at night to pray for him because she thought that she was going to lose him. Mental illness is a real thing, and it's some of the, I mean, if, but if God can heal the blind, and if God can heal, you know, the deaf, and uh, we're, we're, we're big proponents of therapy, we're big proponents of medicine, and all that, you ought to pursue every, you ought to seek holistic healing, mm-hmm. but we're also big proponents of prayer. Absolutely. And so God God did something in uh, in this young man's life, and uh, he just came to church, he's been to church these last couple of weeks, I've never seen him smile so big, Aww. his wife tells me, his wife tells me he's singing, he's laughing, uh, hasn't, hasn't heard him laugh the way he's laughed in four years. Uh, and so I think it's just really cool. I think that, uh, that God is doing something in, in that, in that sphere, um, as well. And so I think it's hands over our city too. Mm-hmm. A ton of great churches in Orlando. And uh, I'm hearing a lot of great stories coming out of all of these houses. And so 
Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what God, what God's doing, what really no man can take credit for, you know, what like no marketing plan can take credit for, what no like hip, relevant preacher can take credit for. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I'm excited about is, is really the things that, that only, only God can take, can take credit for. And, uh, and so, yeah, he's, he's definitely moving in, in people's hearts and, and, and touching people's lives. It's just cool to see. Wow. I love to hear that. And actually as a news director here at Charisma, I do hear a lot of PTSD testimonies right now, and it's amazing what the Lord is doing in that area and just how he's breaking the spirit of suicide across people and he's not going to put up with it. I love it. Now, that is actually all the questions I have for you. One of the things we like to ask our interviewees to do is to pray for our listeners as a way to close out the show. Would you be open to doing that? Oh, it'd be a pleasure. Yeah, Father, we just thank you so much for all of the listeners. Uh, on this podcast, on this show right now, God, we just ask um, that this year, in 2019, would be a year of transformation, God. So many of us uh, come into it with hopes. So many of us come into it with aspiration and ambition and goals and dreams. Um, but, God, I believe the thing that you want to do inside of our lives is less to do with what's outside of us and more to do with what's on the inside of us. And so we pray right now, even as they listen, God, that you begin to shape character right now, that you begin to instill patience right now, that you begin to uh, kind of burn away any... Um, any apathy, God, any spiritual apathy or or tiredness or exhaustion, God, that you would begin to fill hearts with uh, with your passion and your presence, Lord. Uh, we know that when you show up in a life, all things, all things, all things are fixed, all things are well. And so we invite you. We invite you through radios. We invite you through phones. We invite you through laptops. We invite you through car stereo systems, wherever you are right now, wherever we're listening wherever people are listening from, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to work on the inside of us. So as you say in Romans 12, 2, you transform us from the inside out. And so we pray for inner transformation in 2019, Lord God. Transformation in our thoughts, transformation in our attitudes, in our perspectives. Um, and we just know uh, that the reason why you're doing that uh, is not just for our benefit, but because of the mission that you have for us. And so we also want to pray for an awakening of purpose for us that people would uh, not just see the pulpit as the pulpit, but they would see their office place as the pulpit, that they would see their family, uh, the kitchen kitchen table as the pulpit, Lord God, that they would see the locker rooms as the pulpit, Lord. Um, we believe you're raising up uh, uh, this generation of people who are looking to make a difference and love others uh, through Christ. And so be with us. Bless this show. Bless this host. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. When Robert Morris started Gateway Church, with the support of Jimmy Evans, his heart was to feed God's sheep and to help other pastors and churches to do the same. Now, more than 18 years later, Gateway has grown to over 39,000 members, and it's impacting the world through Christ-centered teaching, ministry, and missions. If you are a pastor or church staff, God's call is on your life. But that doesn't mean that ministry and church administration is easy. Let Gateway Church's resource network help your ministry by giving you the tools and support that you need to have a greater impact in your sphere of influence. Just visit gatewaynetwork.com today to learn more. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. 
We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. 